All right, welcome back to the Blaze Experience, everyone. If you're joining us again, you're coming back for episode number 24. And today, as always on a Saturday, we are back to talk some more State of Decay 2. And I'm definitely excited today because we have a great episode planned. We have a lot of things to talk about, so we'll just kind of get into some podcast news first, and then we'll kind of get into what our topic is a little bit. But first of all, I want to announce that next Wednesday's episode will be on Vermintide 2. We did one episode on Vermintide already, and this will be our second episode on Vermintide 2. So if you end up enjoying that one, let us know about it. But that's next Wednesday's episode. Of course, next Saturday, we're going to have a State of Decay episode because it wouldn't be Saturday without your State of Decay episode. So that will definitely be back on Saturday. But... In order to celebrate State of Decay 2, I have a sort of extended State of Decay 2 weekend planned. And you might ask, well, what are you celebrating? Well, I mean, the game is great enough to celebrate on its own, of course. But besides that, there was finally a patch released on Wednesday night. And this actually happened while I was at work because I work overnights, but... I'm definitely excited to get into this patch with you all. I spent a lot of the morning today trying out the features of the patch. The patch works beautifully, and so many features were added and bug fixes, just a lot of great things overall. So we're going to go through the features like the supply locker stuff and just kind of get into that. But also, in addition, we have a giveaway to do too, so... Let's talk about our extended State of Decay weekend first. So first of all, by the time you listen to this, you will have missed a stream. I'm going to be streaming Friday at 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So uh, I'm recording this on a Thursday, so that will be tomorrow morning. But by the time this episode's out, that will be over. But hopefully anyone that tuned into that enjoyed it. And I will definitely have the YouTube video of that up so you can catch it on YouTube. But in addition to that... This episode is going to drop on a Saturday, so you'll have that to listen to as well. Sunday, I'm going to do an kind of AMA on Discord, so if you want to join my Discord, you can jump in there. I'm going to have a special channel dedicated to ask me any questions you want to ask me, so you can ask me about the podcast, you can ask me about State of Decay 2, you can ask me about any of the games I've covered before, really anything you want to ask me, so just jump in there and ask me a question, you know, ask me multiple questions, whatever you want, but... I will be doing that to uh, answer any community questions. And then lastly, on Monday, I will be streaming State of Decay 2 once again. So we're going to kind of bookend the weekend with uh, two State of Decay streams. This stream will be 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Time on Monday. And this one, I'm going to make it kind of unique because the one that I'm doing on Friday is going to be going over a lot of the patch stuff. So if you missed that, then you'll get all of your patch notes right here. But if you want to tune into Monday stream, this is going to be kind of a viewer's choice stream. So basically how I'm going to work this stream on Monday is I have a empty community slot right now in my communities because I have one community I did early on. I have my kind of community that I'm using for a long-term playthrough, but I have one community slot I haven't used yet. So what I'm going to do is make this a viewer's choice stream and I'm going to start right at the beginning of the community. The viewers are going to choose what characters I play. You can choose any of my old legacy characters, or you can choose brand new ones. You can choose what base I go to. You can choose what missions I do, and we're just going to have a lot of fun. So we're going to have, you know, a four-hour stream, just 
the viewers are going to decide, you know, where I go, what missions I do, and I'll, I'll take it from there and I'll, you know, kind of see what happens. So we'll find some loot, we'll find some weapons, and we'll see what we can do. But I did mention a giveaway, and the giveaway will be centered around this State of Decay weekend. Basically, on the Undead Lab stream on Wednesday, I did answer one of their questions first, and I was lucky enough to get the DLC code. So I do have a DLC code for the Independence Pack to give away, so I will be giving that away. And there's a couple of different ways you can enter for that giveaway if you don't have the DLC pack for Independence. You can enter by joining our Discord AMA on Sunday and asking at least one question. So just join the Discord, you know, ask any question on Sunday, doesn't matter what time, just one question at least, and you will get entered one entry that way. You can get an entry by showing proof that you are subscribed to the podcast. So you can you know, email me that you're subscribed and show me a screenshot. You can give me a screenshot on Twitter, uh, a video, a screenshot on Discord, however you want to do it. So just show me some proof that you're subscribed to the podcast. In addition, if you give a review on Apple Podcasts and show me that you gave a review on Apple Podcasts, that'll be an extra entry. So that's two possible entries there. You can tune into either stream on Friday or Monday, and you can just, you know, pop in the chat and say hello. And as long as you just, you know, pop in the chat and let me know you're there, then that will count as an entry. So you can enter that way as well. And then finally, you can just follow us on Twitter. If you follow us on Twitter during this time, then that will count as an entry. If you're already followed on Twitter, that's fine. I really appreciate you already following. So if you're already followed, then... All you'd have to do is just, you know, give me a screenshot that you already followed. That way I know you're followed and I know you're uh, trying to enter the contest. So so that's a bunch of different ways you can enter. And I will tally up the entries and that giveaway will happen on Wednesday. Which the reason why it's going to happen on Wednesday is because Thursday and Friday of next week, I will be taking those days off essentially. So you won't see me as much on Thursday and Friday, but... Don't worry, the, you'll still get the two episodes for the week, and you will still get two streams for the week. I'm just doing it a little bit differently, and that is why we're having a State of Decay stream on Monday. Usually, I'd want to do that on a Friday, but next week's State of Decay stream will be on Monday, and I will be doing an extra stream on Tuesday as well. Tuesday's stream will probably be on Vigor again, but I might do a Vermintide stream. So, you know, let me know. If you want that to be a Verbentide or a Vigor stream on Tuesday, but I'm probably going to do Vigor, I think. But, you know, I'm open to debate there, and the Tuesday stream will also be 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. again. So, another, you know, early morning stream because I have to work at night. But that's basically it for the giveaway. You know, it's going to happen on Wednesday. I will do the drawing live on Discord. So, if you're on Discord, then you will get to see live who the winner is, and I will give you that DLC code. And I will get in contact with the winner. You know, if the winner was someone that was part of the stream, then I'll try and get in contact with them. If they were someone that subscribed to the podcast, then I'll try and get in contact with them however they show me proof, you know, whether they emailed me, whether they tweeted me, whatever they did to get in contact with me. And if for whatever reason I can't contact the winner within a few days, then I will uh, draw a new winner and we will have a different winner instead. But Hopefully, whoever wins, you know, they'll have a way to contact them. So definitely keep that in mind when you're entering. Just make sure I have a way to contact you back because I would hate to have somebody win and then I don't have a way to contact them. So just make sure you try to do it in a way so I have a way to contact you back. 
But that's basically it for our notes for the podcast. So, you know, definitely tune in to State of Decay weekend for the Blaze experience. It's going to be a great weekend. We're going to have a couple of great streams. We're going to have a nice AMA and obviously our regular podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode because that's going to be part of the weekend. But as far as our topic today, we do have patch 3.0 to cover and patch 3.0 is pretty big. And I know there's, you know, YouTube videos and stuff out on this, but unlike those videos, you're going to get the full patch here. I mean, you're never going to have a situation with the Blaze experience where it's going to be, you know, oh, well, we just gave you a couple highlights. You know, here's a couple of notes from the patch. I'm, I'm giving you the full patch. So we are very, you know, detail focused here on the Blaze experience, and I will not, you know, be stingy on that. And I will give you the full patch. Every single line that they have written in here, I will tell you everything that's in this patch. Some things that aren't as, you know, interesting, I might not talk about as long, but it's not going to be a situation where, you know, you're going to have a five minute video on YouTube and they only cover like two things that are in the patch. You're going to get everything here. So, you know, feel confident that when you listen to any patch notes here now or in the future, that you will get every single thing there is in the patch notes. So you're not going to be, you know, playing the game later and go, oh, what's this? I didn't hear about this in the five minute video I watched here at the Blaze Experience. You will get everything. But in addition to the patch, I did still want to cover a topic because I do love, you know, giving you guys some tips on different topics in the game. Just I had to kind of change my thinking a little bit for this episode. I had something else planned originally, but this patch dropped unexpectedly, which if anyone remembers back when the Independence Pack dropped, it was kind of the same situation. I had a different episode planned at the time, but they dropped the Independence Pack and a huge patch, so I basically ended up covering that instead of the episode. Today, I'm not going to just cover the patch. I will have a topic, but I had to do a smaller topic because I don't want to have an episode that runs too long for you guys. You know, I probably want like the longest episode I do to maybe be around an hour and a half if at most, so I don't want to run too long. So what I ended up deciding to cover is we are going to cover the Legacy Boons. So there's obviously four different legacy types. So we're going to cover the legacy boons that you get when you complete those legacies. I will go over my thoughts on those legacy boons, you know, when you want to use them. And I will also rank them at the end. So, so that's, you know, a little bit extra of a topic that we will cover after the patch notes. But that being said, we will just dig right into these patch notes and we will start going over this stuff because there's a lot of stuff to cover here. And I'm very excited to talk about this. All right, so the first section they have here, and this is just going, you know, right off the official Undead Labs list that they posted on SaveTheDecay.com. This is the official list that they posted there. We have feature improvements. And the first feature improvement is all players in a multiplayer game can now use the stuck radio command, which this is a huge fix, honestly, because if you've ever been in your friend's game and you get, like, stuck in something and you can't actually unstick yourself because obviously you don't have that command as someone else in the host game then obviously you're kind of you know stuck i mean you basically have to quit the game and then you know jump back in or something i had a situation once where i was at a friend's base and i actually my character clipped into their like storage container somehow it was like one of their storage containers that was you know just part of the aesthetics of the base and my character clipped into the storage container i couldn't move i couldn't get out of there and it looked kind of funny, honestly, but I clipped into the storage container 
And luckily it was at their base. So what I did to get out of it is I switched characters. And when I switched characters, it unclipped me. So at least in that sense, I did have a way to get out of it. But if you clip into something when you're out in the world, you're not going to have that option to switch characters. So this is definitely a great fix. And having that stuck radio command available to all players in multiplayer is something that, you know, is really great for the game. And it's really going to be a great quality of life thing, which that's kind of like a lot of what this patch is. A lot of quality of life fixes. There's not a lot of, you know, brand new things, but there are some new features. But the stuff that is in here is so crucial to actually, you know, providing you a better experience. And I really appreciate Undead Labs for providing all of this because this patch is amazing. And it has some things that I've really wanted that are fixed now. And it's perfect. But in addition to that stuck command, there's a couple more notes about it. The stuck radio command now won't teleport you all the way back to your base, which this is cool as well. I didn't have a lot of issues with this because I didn't use the stuck command that often. But if you're out in the world, you know, way away from your base, you're trying to do a mission and you use the stuck radio command and it teleports you all the way back to base. That can be kind of frustrating because then you have to go all the way back to where you were and, you know, keep doing that mission. So this is nice that it doesn't do that anymore. The stuck command will actually just put you somewhere close to where you are. So that is very nice. But one thing that people are really going to love with this, you know, stuck fixes that they made, vehicles will now be teleported by the stuck radio command. And this is huge because I know myself included, a lot of players have gotten vehicles stuck and they can't get them out. You know, I've even tried explosives and explosives won't move the vehicle. I figured, you know, hey, wh why not try it? You know, I tried some C4 by a vehicle and it wouldn't move the vehicle. And now we actually have a way to unstick our vehicles. So what you're going to want to do is if you get your vehicle stuck, just stay in the car, go to your radio commands and use the unstuck button and just don't move, you know, keep the car still like it is. And then after a couple of seconds, the game will make the car unstick and it'll go somewhere close by. So like say you're stuck on a mountain, the car will probably, you know, go to the bottom of the mountain and you'll be unstuck. So. It works perfectly. I've already tried it out in game and it works perfectly. I mean, I didn't actually have it stuck, but I tried it out when it wasn't stuck just to see if it worked and it works great, honestly. So I'm definitely glad for this command being allowed for vehicles now. So now basically you can't really get your vehicle stuck. I mean, just use your radio command and you're good. And this also applies to other players in the host game too. So if somebody's in my game and they get a car stuck, they can use that command and you know, it'll just unstick the car. This next one is kind of one that it wasn't like a huge thing, I would say, but it's something that is definitely nice because it takes away some steps for something that was sort of annoying. So this next one, players can now use the workshop facility to repair or salvage equipped weapons rather than having to drop them off in the supply locker first. So essentially what this one is saying is when you had to repair a weapon that was equipped what you'd have to do in the past is you have to drop it off in your supply locker. You'd have to go dig through your weapons, find that weapon, repair it, and then re-equip it. And that was kind of a you know lengthy process that did kind of stink a little bit. But now what you can do is you can go to your workshop and you can take your equipped weapon and just repair it right there. There's actually a button in your workshop now, which I have tried this and it works great. You just you know click on the button to repair the weapon that's equipped. And it just repairs it for you. I mean, obviously, you have to pay the parts still, of course. but 
And there's also an option, too, to salvage that weapon that is equipped to you. So say you have, you know, that weapon's broken, you don't want it anymore, you can also salvage it at your workshop as well. Which, speaking of salvage weapons, salvage weapons now return their ammo to your supply locker instead of destroying it. So say you're going to salvage a gun that has 20 bullets in it. Now, instead of salvaging that gun and you lose the 20 bullets, now the 20 bullets will be taken out of that gun and put into your locker. So that is huge because that's actually a way to get extra ammo as well. Like say you have a lot of guns and not a lot of ammo in your supply locker. You could actually salvage some of those guns to get a little bit extra ammo to help you out a little more. So that is a nice feature and I'm really excited for that one. Next, we have info flyouts for outposts on the map screen. Now show the outpost number, which corresponds to the outpost number in the base management screen. So that's kind of a mouthful, but essentially what this one is telling us is when you go to your outpost screen on your on your base screen, it's going to have all your outposts there, obviously. So you're going to have, you know, either one through four or one through five or one through six, depending on what facility mods you have attached to your command center. But let's just say you have a six outpost. So you have two ammo outposts and you have three meds outposts and you have uh, one food outpost. Let's just say that's your outpost, right? So say you have th the three meds outposts. What happened in the past is those three meds outposts, you'd be, you know, wanting to make a new outpost. Say you needed materials really badly and you need to destroy a meds outpost to get some materials and you want to make a materials outpost. Well, what happened in the past is you wouldn't really know which meds outpost corresponded to which part of the map. So you might destroy a meds outpost and then go, oh, shoot, that's not the one I wanted to destroy. I wanted to destroy this other one that's, you know, very close by to the outpost I already have. Because, like, say you have one that's really close to your base, that's probably the one you want to destroy because it's already close to your base anyways. And you want to have outposts that are out in the world more that when you're out in the world, you have, you know, multiple locations you can go to a supply locker at. So you might have actually destroyed the one that was in a certain corner of the map and you have nothing in that corner of the map now. But now with this fix, what actually happens is all the outposts are numbered. So in your community base screen, they're going to be number one through, you know, five, six, however many you have. And you have your three meds outposts like we have in our example. You know, say the meds outpost you want to destroy, it'll be number meds three. You know, that'll be your third outpost. You can actually go to your map and look at your map and hover over the outpost that you have. And it'll say outpost three meds outpost. And that will tell you that's the one you want to destroy. So this is a really key feature fix. And I really enjoy this one. It's not something that a lot of players would really think about too much, I would say. But it's something that is kind of like. A little bit hidden more that is really going to help you out it's going to keep you from making mistakes and destroying the wrong outpost so this is definitely great and i'm really appreciative of this one all right this next one i actually watched the live stream that jeffrey card from undead labs did on this whole patch notes and we actually saw an example of this next one in his stream this one is, uh, players will now see a banner at the top center of the screen when a community member dies instead of the brief side notification that previously popped up. And this also applies to when a community member threatens to leave or leaves, this banner will also apply there. But in Jeffrey's stream, one of his characters died and we got a huge banner up uh, on his screen that showed his character died. 
Unfortunately, uh, Jeffrey was looking away from the screen at the time, so he missed it. But, you know, if you didn't find out by now, Jeffrey, that that banner did show and it did work properly. So that is really cool that that happens like that. And it kind of makes it more of like an event when somebody dies that like it's not, you know, to be taken lightly. It's something that should be taken, you know, very seriously that, oh, I lost a community member. That's not good. Same applies to, you know, exiling someone. Exiling someone, it's not going to be taken as lightly now. It's not just going to be, you know, a little side scroll. It's going to be a big banner at the top. Like, oh, wow, I really just exiled that person. You know, I kind of feel bad now or something. So those are definitely, you know, some great fixes. And I'm really happy that those are going to be in there. This next one is one that I really wish would have been in place about a week ago. Because a week ago, I moved maps and... I was in Drucker County. I moved to Cascade Hills. So when you move mass before this patch, what happens is you kind of get this like little, it's like a little tent on the side of the road, basically. So you have like this little tent on the side of the road that your community is kind of holed up at and it has a supply locker. It's not technically a base, but it's got your supply locker and that's all it has. And that's basically like your temporary, you know, tent until you actually pick a base. Which, it does make it hard in some situations that, yeah, you have to actually go all the way to a base and you can't really do anything until you claim a base. So, you have to go find the base you want, you know, it could be halfway across the map and you have to drive there or walk there if you, you know, God forbid, didn't have a car, then it's just more of a hassle. But what they actually did, which I'm appreciative of, is... Communities will now automatically claim an appropriate starter home site when traveling to a new map. So what this means is the starting base in each map, when you travel to that map, you're automatically going to start in that starting base. So say it's like the Vogel House or the Justino House, you know, one of those bases, basically. They're pretty much the same, you know, layout and everything, just they have a different name to them. But every every map has one of those starter bases that has... A couple of small slots for you to use it's not going to have you know everything you need for like a big base but at least it's going to give you some options at the start you know it's going to give you somewhere like okay I, I at least have a kitchen already built here you know I, I can make some snacks if i need to or okay i can you know build a medical facility really fast i can build a workshop really fast and you can actually hang out there for you know a little bit until you actually get the base you want so it's definitely a lot more helpful in that sense because it gives you somewhere that you can actually hold up for a little while until you get your bearings and figure out where you want to go. Because this could be your first time in that map. Like, say you went from Drucker to Meager Valley. This could be your first time ever in Meager Valley. So if you're just starting on the side of a road in a tent, like, you don't really know where to go. I mean, you don't know what base you should pick. You don't know where the bases are. So it's definitely a lot more difficult the way it used to be. But now at least, like say if you've never been in Meager Valley and you transfer to that map, then at least you're going to start in a base and at least you can kind of get your bearings about you. The other really cool part about this too is when I transfer maps, I had a couple of cars with me. The cars just go on the side of the road because we're not out of base yet. So the cars are just literally on the side of the road. But at least now, because you actually go to a base, my cars are going to transfer to that base. So that is very nice actually because... I'll actually have my cars ready to use because a couple of my cars I don't even have at my base yet because they're still on the side of the road where I jumped in. So and I just haven't had anyone to help me get my cars back to base yet. 
So in addition, they have several radio commands have been enabled for clients in multiplayer games. And I haven't been able to check what exactly radio commands are available, but this is definitely huge. And one of the things that Jeffrey Carr mentioned in the live stream is that say someone had like a really cool radio command where, you know, they had an artillery strike available. They should now be able to use that artillery strike in your game so they can kind of show off what they have in their game in your game. So that's actually really cool that you can use, you know, different radio commands in a multiplayer game now. Players can now drop equipped weapons, which I don't see a lot of situations where you want to drop equipped weapons, but it's definitely nice that this is available now because, you know, if you ever had a situation where you wanted to drop one, then that's great that you can now. You don't have to, you know, switch it into your backpack and then drop it out of your backpack. So it's just a quality of life thing that makes things easier for you. So I'm glad that's there. Players can now buy one individual item from a stack when trading with enclaves. This is actually pretty nice too, because say you have like a, an enclave has a stack of, you know, three strong painkillers and you really only want to buy one strong painkiller. Now you can buy just one. So, I mean, normally I would probably buy the whole stack personally, but I like that the options there, because if I ever wanted to buy only one, I can just buy one. I don't have to buy the entire thing. Or like, say it's a stack of ammo. I mean... You could just buy, you know, half a stack of ammo. You don't have to buy the full stack of ammo. So it's definitely nice that you can actually do this now and buy the exact amount you want instead of the whole stack. Players can now navigate conversation options with left stick as well as D-pad controller input. This one I probably wouldn't have understood that much if I didn't watch the live stream that Jeffrey Card did. So definitely watch that live stream because he actually has a really cool story about how this came about. Basically, it was something that the Undead Labs team like were thinking about doing something differently early on when they were making the game and they kind of went away from that but they didn't put it back into where you could actually use the left stick. So essentially what this is telling us is when you have a conversation with someone and you had to use the d-pad in the past now you can use the left stick as well. So you can use your stick and your left stick and scroll or you could use the d-pad. So it's basically just something that gives you extra options to use. And I won't get into the full story that, you know, why this was like that in the first place. But if you watch the Undead Labs live stream, then you will find out the full story. And, you know, Jeffrey explains it a lot better than I ever could. All right. Next, this is the big one. This is like the, you know, granddaddy of the whole patch right here. This is the one that everyone's been wanting. Supply locker sorting is now active. So with this one, it's automatically sorted by item type. Additionally, the range weapons tab has the option to sort either by ammo caliber or weapon type. And this is huge because if you've been playing the game for a while, you've amassed like a huge collection of items and all those items are so discombobulated in your supply locker that you can't really find what you want. I mean, you might be looking for a certain gun, you might be looking for a certain ammo type, and it takes you forever to find it. Now your supply locker is completely sorted for you. So say your consumables, all your books will be in one spot, all your, you know, bandages and painkillers will be in one spot. Your melee weapons is sorted by bladed and blunts. All your bladed weapons will be in one spot. All your blunt will be in one spot. And it's just so nice to use. I mean, your backpacks will be in one spot. And then the range weapons tab, that one, you can actually sort it um, two different ways. You can sort it by ammo caliber. So you can have all your ammo is going to be at the top. So your ammo will always be at the top, which is nice. And then say you wanted all your, you know, 22 caliber weapons. 
all those will be sorted for you just like that. You know, you find all your 22 calibers, then it'll go, okay, here's all your, you know, shotguns. Here's all your 5.56 ammo guns. Or if you don't like it that way, you can sort it by weapon type. So you can sort it by, okay, here's all my pistols. Here's all my rifles. Here's all my 50 cal rifles. You know, here's all my grenade launchers. So you can sort it one of two ways. But either way, this is huge. And I'd actually be curious to find out some of the backstory behind how this like supply locker sorting came about. I mean, I'm kind of curious on a personal level how they actually went about making this because it seems like it would be something that, you know, when everyone was asking for it, they just all say, oh, well, can't you just put a button in there to sort it? But I would assume it's a lot harder than just, you know, tossing a button in there to sort it. Like, I would assume this took a lot of thought on their part. And I'd really be curious to find out, you know, how this actually came about. So, you know, Undead Labs, if you want to, you know, let me know how that came about, I definitely appreciate that because it seems very interesting to me how you guys actually sorted this properly. And you definitely did a great job because I tried it out today and it works perfectly. So it, it's amazing. Thank you. Next, when approaching the storage facility with a rucksack equipped, the interaction text will now display the resource type and the resource yield. So this one isn't too huge for me, but... I mean, basically, it's going to, you know, display what happens when you break it down. So if you wanted to break it down, it's going to let you know what you're going to get. So that is kind of nice, I guess. I mean, it's not something huge that I would have thought of, but hey, it's another quality of life thing. And, you know, it gives us more options. So more options is always good. All right. Next, we have trader balancing, finally. And a lot of people were complaining about this. Basically, if you got the independence pack, what happened is the independence pack traders like the fireworks trader and the rare skill book trader, those traders would pair way too much. And basically those traders would dominate your play sessions. So you'd only ever see those traders. You wouldn't ever see the mysterious wandering trader. And you would rarely see the other kind of traders too, like a food trader or just regular traders or like a red talon trader. So basically this is all more balanced now. So mysterious wandering trader is going to be appearing more reliably. They're going to appear on the weekends like they're supposed to. The Independence Pack DLC Trader, that's going to be better balanced. So it's going to be better better balanced with the Wandering Trader. So you will still see the Independence Pack DLC Trader, but it's going to be kind of the same value uh, as the Wandering Trader. So essentially how I understood it is the Wandering Trader and the Independence Pack Trader, they have the same chance of occurring. So you will still see the Independence Pack Trader, just... You know, it's going to be a lot less than you were seeing them. And then the mission that creates the trader who supplies skill books is now called Skills Trader, which morally clearly communicates its different nature. And also, this mission can now occur during the week and not just on weekends. So basically, the rare skill book trader that was only happening on weekends and basically that kind of overshadowed the mysterious wander trader and kind of took over for them. Well, now that's not going to happen. And now it could also appear during the week as well. So you will see that skills trader. It'll show up as skills trader. That way you know exactly what it is. So that's definitely nice as well. So I mean, all this seems to be more balanced now where you're going to get a better variety of traders instead of just the independence pack traders. So that is very nice. And I'm definitely happy to see that change because I really miss my mysterious wandering traders. Like it's been a long time since I've seen a mysterious wandering trader. And I'm definitely excited to see them again this weekend. So you know, I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to that. You know, hopefully I can see them on stream tomorrow. I mean, hey, you never know. All right, we do have two big balance changes to go over. 
One of these balance changes is proximity mines are no longer triggered by players or friendly NPCs. I didn't run into this one that much because I wasn't using a lot of proximity mines, but I guess what was happening is a lot of players would have their friendly NPCs run into a proximity mine and, you know, possibly kill or cause trauma to that character or their allies that were, you know, in the game with them would do the same thing. Now that's not going to happen and it's only going to be triggered by enemies. So that is definitely a plus and, you know, something that's going to be a lot better for your community to stay alive, obviously. Now, this next one is kind of a big deal. It's going to change the game a lot, but basically when you abandon an outpost, you'll be refunded only 60% of the original influence cost instead of 100%. So what they say is this increased investment in outposts is intended to make it feel like a significant choice by the player rather than an easily swapped loot drop location that drastically alters the overall experience. So essentially what they're saying is Say you bought an outpost for 300 influence, right? What used to happen is when you destroy that outpost, you get 300 influence back. You get a full refund. Now you're not going to get a full refund. You're only going to get 60% of that. So I think it's like 160 would be or something like that. So you get like your 160 influence back, but not the full price. So it basically almost halves the influence back that you get. And what this is designed to do is it's designed to make you a little bit more cautious about just, you know, destroying outposts, making another one, because I abuse this myself, I'll admit it. Like, I mean, it was definitely a great tactic. You know, if you're out on in the world, you just leave one outpost slot open and you make an outpost, drop all your stuff in their locker and then destroy it again. And it was kind of like a roaming loot box, basically. And that's what Undead Labs didn't want it to be is a roaming loot box. They want it to be, you know, more of a decision on the player's part to, okay, this is the outpost I want. This is the location I want it, and you're kind of deciding, you know, more where you want to place your outposts. So this is probably going to upset some players, but personally, even though it's going to make things more difficult for me because I was using it in the, you know, loot drop like location sense, even though it's going to make it more difficult for me, I do enjoy this because it does balance the game better, and I do like to have the game balanced, so... This is going to make it a little bit harder and you're going to have to just plan a little more. So I do like that aspect where you're going to have to plan more than you had to before. So yeah, just keep that in mind when you're playing your games now. Definitely plan before you make an outpost. You know, decide, okay, do I really want an outpost here? Because if you decide later that you want to destroy it, you can still destroy it. It's just you're only going to get roughly half the influence back. So you have to kind of keep that in mind and decide whether it's worth actually you know, having your influence. Technically speaking, you could still do that strategy where, you know, just keep destroying an outpost, make a new one, destroy an outpost, make a new one. You could technically do that strategy, but it's going to cost you a lot of influence to do that now. All right, next up, we have some bug fixes. And there's some great bug fixes in here too, so I'm excited about a lot of these. But first, we have some gameplay bug fixes. Players can now improve their close combat specialization skill. Which in the last patch, this was said to be there as well, but I guess from what Jeffrey was saying in the stream that it wasn't, you know, working exactly proper. They fixed it a little bit. Now it's like completely fixed. So now it's like perfect the way it should be. So it should go up, you know, exactly at the same rate as the other fighting skills should. Players trying to descend a ladder will no longer experience confused up and down controls when the ladder animation involves a camera flip. So... That's kind of a mouthful, and it sounds like, what? Something about a ladder? What are you talking about? But 
basically, if you've ever, you know, been on like a water tower or you've been on a cell tower and you try to go down a ladder, sometimes the camera makes it look really weird and it's like a weird camera angle and you don't realize, wait, am I going down? Am I going up? Like, it's kind of, it's hard to explain, but I've definitely experienced what they fix here. Essentially, the best way to describe it is when you're going up or down a ladder, it would make it look really weird and you wouldn't really understand where you are. So it kind of like disorient you. So essentially now when you go up and down ladders, you're not going to be disoriented and it's going to show like the correct camera angles is the best way I can put it. So, so that's definitely a great fix. It's definitely something I experienced before. So I'm definitely happy to have that there. Players can no longer consume and waste energy drinks if their character is still under the effect of a prior energy drink. This is really good too, because if you already use energy drink, what happened in the past is you could accidentally use another one and then you're just wasting your supplies. So basically now you're not going to waste your supplies. So, you know, not wasting your supplies is a good thing. So I'm definitely happy for that. Next, the grenade launcher rounds no longer occasionally bounce off of fat zombies. So I didn't experience this one because I don't use the grenade launcher a lot. But I guess when people are using the grenade launcher, then uh, rounds of the grenade launcher were sometimes bouncing off fat zombies. So I guess that's not going to happen anymore. I mean... I can definitely see why that'd be an issue for anyone happened to them, because if you shoot it at the zombie, it bounces off and it comes back at you, then that's not exactly serving the purpose you want. So, so it's definitely good that they fix that. This next one sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, explosives now set off other nearby explosives, such as landmines. So basically, if you put a bunch of landmines like in the same proximity and a zombie runs into one of those landmines, it should set off the rest of the landmines, which... That sounds like a lot of fun. You can kind of create a chain reaction and just, you know, have a bunch of fun in your game. I mean, you could even use it just, you know, literally wasting your resources, but just having a good time. So you could, you know, design like a whole circle of landmines and just have a zombie walk into the circle and you know, create a big boom right in the middle of the circle. And that sounds like a lot of fun, honestly. So I'm definitely going to try out some landmines more than now that these fixes are happening, because now that this is happened i mean it makes me actually want to try landmines more just to see you know what happens when all these things combine together to make it combustible this next one's interesting um if you want to hear a full explanation of this i definitely recommend the undead lab stream because jeffrey explained this a lot better than i ever could but basically this next fix uh losing a benefit that reduces the severity of a trauma can no longer kill a character due to retroactive increase of trauma so essentially, if you have a buff on someone that reduces the amount of trauma they have, and then suddenly you lose that buff, like say the character that was giving a buff, that character died, and another character had a buff on them that was reducing the trauma, what would happen in the past is all that trauma would automatically be applied to them, you know, retroactively, and it could potentially kill the character. So the character could die because they lost a buff, which seems really weird, so... Essentially, what happened now is that's fixed. So basically, the main point, kind of like Jeffrey said, is now your character's not going to die. So that, that's basically the main thing. But if you want a little bit more detail on that, uh, definitely check out the Undead Labs stream, which uh, you can find mixer.com slash undead labs or twitch.tv slash undead labs. And those links will be in the show notes. But definitely check out that stream. It's a really good stream. Next, certain rare skills learned from books will now always start at level one as intended. I don't think this really affected things too much, but I guess um, like the scrum master, like 
lichenology, I guess when you learn those skills, they would sometimes start at uh, zero star, which they are a one star skill. So I guess that was just, you know, kind of a cosmetic thing that was being weird, but now it is fixed. It's going to start at level one. Skill books can no longer be consumed if they would not grant any benefit. This is definitely nice too, because you could accidentally waste your skill books, and that's definitely a bad thing because skill books are valuable to you. So, say somebody already had a fifth skill of gardening, and then you accidentally, you know, went to use utilities on them. That utilities book used to be wasted, so now it's not going to be wasted anymore, which is very nice. They fixed an issue with fire occasionally and with fire occasionally and visibly remaining in effect beyond the appropriate duration. So basically, what would happen is there would be a fire and then you'd be out of the fire zone according to your screen, but the animation wouldn't actually show that there was still fire there. So you'd still take fire damage even though you're out of like what appeared to be there'd be no fire. So basically that's fixed now. So you're not going to have, you know, where you, you don't see a fire on screen and you're taking damage from it. So essentially, you know, main point of this is you're not going to take fire damage from invisible fire. Recon radio commands now reveal zombies for all players, not just the hosts, so that's definitely a plus. When calling in favors over the radio, the enclave that owes you the favor will now answer rather than someone from your own community. This is something that I didn't really notice that much, so I didn't pay attention to it a lot, but that's definitely cool because why would someone from your own community answer about, you know, an enclave helping you? So it doesn't really make sense. So it does make a lot more sense that the enclave that, you know, is giving you the favor would answer on the radio, so... That is very nice that they fixed that. It's kind of more of a lore thing. Facility actions can now be truly instantaneous, which means costing zero seconds. I'm not sure what actions were affected by this that didn't cost zero seconds before, but that's definitely nice that you can do the actions you're supposed to do without costing any time at all. They improve the reliability and predictability of the stuck radio command. So essentially to me what this means is just that the stuck radio command is going to work a lot better and a lot more efficiently. So that's basically the main things you need to know there. So that's definitely a plus. Improve the predictability of your starting position when loading back into a safe community. And basically how this was described on the stream is when you start your game or you like load back into the game, you would sometimes start in a disadvantageous spot where you might be stuck or you might be, you know, in a spot where you're going to be in danger a little more. Now it's a little bit more predictable that you're going to be in a safer spot, essentially. All right. Even though there was a locker sorting, which I, I love the locker sorting, don't get me wrong, but my favorite fix in this entire patch is for this next section. This next section we're going to get into is the user interface UI. And this next fix is so nice for me. Like it, it's just something that makes quality of life so much better and it's going to make the game a lot better. But when a home site or previously cleared site becomes infested, it now properly shows an infestation icon on the map. So basically, if you cleared a site, say you cleared um, Titan, say you cleared Tartan Food Mart. You know, Tartan Food Mart is one of the buildings that appears in a lot of the maps. So you've cleared Tartan Food Mart. And now later on in the game, it's going to say a new infestation has just appeared. So you're going to look at your map and you're going to go, well, it said a new infestation appeared, but I don't see an infestation. There's no yellow marker. So what was happening in the past is when that actually happened and new infestations appeared, you would get no yellow marker showing there's an infestation if you already cleared the building. So basically, if you already searched most of your map and you've already cleared most of your map, then what happened a lot of time is 
you get so many infestations popping up that you weren't even aware of because it wasn't showing a yellow marker for them. Now it's going to show the yellow marker. So now you're always going to see a yellow marker when you have an infestation. So that's a huge plus because it's not going to leave situations where you don't really know an infestation is there because it has no marker. There's a lot of times that I didn't really know, oh, there's an infestation right there. I didn't even know that was there because I didn't really, you know, look at the map. Because what you had to do in the past is you had to hover over every single building in your map just to find the infestations. And it was kind of annoying. So so I'm really happy about this fix. And it's something that's going to make, you know, just huge quality of life upgrade. And for me personally, this is probably my favorite fix in this entire patch. I actually asked about it on a previous Undead Lab stream. So I'm definitely glad that it's here now. Next, the minimap now zooms in correctly when indoors at an infestation or play cart. So that's definitely good. Sell and buy prices for stacks have been adjusted to fix discrepancies with individual item pricing. So that's basically for, you know, if you want to buy a single item or the whole stack. So those pricings are adjusted. The out of storage notification now properly triggers when you deposit a rucksack that brings your resource level from just below your base's maximum capacity to above the maximum capacity. So basically when you deposit rucksacks, it's always going to tell you if you're out of storage now. So that's definitely nice that it's going to tell you that. The base management screen's morale flyout now correctly uses the morale's effects names instead of the name of the facility providing the effect. This one, I can't explain too great, honestly. Um, I think essentially what it's getting at is when you're in your base management screen and you're looking at your morale, it's going to have the effect name instead of like the facility that provides the effect. So, I mean, it's, it's basically when you break down a sentence, that's what it's saying. But I don't know. I haven't really checked this one out that much. It doesn't seem like a huge thing to me, but I guess it's nice that they put it in there for, you know, more quality control. But I'm not sure too much on that one. Notifications for certain rare skills learned from books now show the correct maximum skill level. So that's definitely a plus for those skills. The user interface for your storage facility now indicates when withdrawing a rucksack is not possible due to insufficient resources. This could be handy for, you know, a lot of newer players probably because they might not realize, oh, I want to take this rucksack out, but you can't take that rucksack out because you don't have the resources to do it. So that's definitely handy that it shows you that now. They fix an issue with the player's vehicles not showing up on the map UI after moving to a new map. So Jeffrey explained this a little bit. What ha what happened is you move to the new map and the vehicle would be there, but on the user interface, it wouldn't actually show that the vehicle was there. So you wouldn't have a marker for it. So now there's going to be a marker for that. So that's nice. Flyout info for sites on map screen should now properly show icons for all expected resources. So basically what this one is... When you hover over a building and it shows you, okay, potential resources, materials, potential resources, ammo, it's now going to properly show that for all of the icons now. So like uh, Jeffrey said in the stream that consumables wasn't showing up a lot. So now if it has a potential of consumables, it will show that as well. So, so it's basically, it's just going to show you more accurately what you're potentially going to get there. When using the mouse in the map screen, the goal info flyout now shows when hovering over a goal in the list instead of requiring it to be clicked. So basically what he said for this one is if you're using a mouse, then you can just hover over something. You don't have to actually click it to see um, the goal list. So that's definitely handy for anyone that's playing on PC. Labor and time costs are now shown for facility mod uninstall actions. This is actually kind of nice because 
when you uninstall a mod, it wasn't showing you before how long it would take and how much labor. Now it's going to show you that. So that's definitely, you know, like everything else in this, you know, it's quality of life. The independence pack supply drop container now shows a busy indicator when another player is interacting with it. So I guess that's nice. That way, you know, you're not trying to access something at the same time as someone else and you don't really know what's going on. Now it's going to show that it's busy. Players interacting with the radio menu using a mouse can no longer accidentally click buttons that have been hidden by an open command category. So I think what was happening there, Jeffrey described it a little bit better than I'm going to do now, but basically I think it was causing like more screens to be up that would allow you to accidentally click something that you weren't wanting to click. But that's probably the best description I can give. If you want a little bit better insight on that one, um, just watch the Undead Lab stream. But Because I don't use a PC or a mouse to play, so it's hard for me to envision what this is exactly. But it sounds like there'd be an extra screen up that would allow you, if you like click too fast, you might click something you don't want to click. So it sounds like they fixed that. All right, next, we have the multiplayer bug fixes. So the host will no longer see client's vehicle help tips. So basically, if, you know, there's someone newer in your party with you, then you won't see their help tips when they're actually viewing the help tips. Multiplayer clients are no longer forcibly teleported every time the host switches characters. And this is actually something I just experienced um, a few days ago as well. Like it was just a few days ago I was experiencing this. Like basically what would happen is, as Jeffrey described it, kind of... There'd be like a one second gap where if somebody, if the host is switching a character, then the game for that one second, the game doesn't know where, you know, the other characters are. So basically the game is thinking, oh, these characters are too far from the host. I have to get them back to the host. And in the game sense, that's what the game was thinking, because in that one second period where the host is switching characters, the game thinks, oh, these people are too far from the host. I have to get them back to the host. So... That's kind of what was happening, and that's why it was tethering you back to the host. Now that's not going to happen anymore, so if the host switches characters, you won't get tethered back to the host. Multiplayer rewards are now always granted immediately upon return to your saved game, and I can confirm that this was working great now because the second I jumped in my game today, I got so many multiplayer rewards that I hadn't gotten before. Like I had backlog rewards that I just hadn't gotten for, you know, even a week, like it, it had been a week still that I hadn't gotten them. But the second I jumped into the game, I got those rewards. So that is really nice. They fixed that now because now when you play multiplayer, you're going to get the rewards as soon as you jump in your game. So definitely props to them for fixing that. I'm definitely glad that's fixed. Multiplayer location indicators no longer show through the background of the community screen. So basically, if you're in your community screen and there's someone in multiplayer, then you're not going to see like their stuff in the background. So that is nice. Adjust the position of multiplayer name indicators so that they do not overlap when a multiplayer, when multiple players are in a single vehicle. I mean, I don't really have too many comments on that. You know, it basically just says what it is that there's not going to be any overlap now. So that's nice. I guess there are some issues with flashlights in the past, so they did fix those. Um, they fixed an issue causing jerky flashlight movements with bad network updates. And they fixed an issue causing flashlights to get confused if a player stayed in aim mode for a long time. So basically your flashlights should work more properly now. All right, a couple of vehicle bug fixes. Vehicle icon now properly persists the last passenger of a vehicle exits out of a nine driver seat. So basically if you exit out of like the passenger seat, then it wouldn't show on the UI that the vehicle was there. Like it wouldn't show a marker for it. Now it will show a marker for that. 
fixed an issue with the independence pack vehicle deliveries occasionally appearing beneath the map and thus inaccessible. So basically the independence pack vehicles, some people were trying to call them in, but they would actually appear beneath the map so you wouldn't be able to get it. So now that's fixed. Clients can now see the name vehicles while surveying. So that's nice. Clients can now see when their car is properly parked at the host base. That's also nice. There was an audio fix. They added error sound when attempting to select unavailable radio command. So that is definitely nice because it's kind of like an audible click that you can't actually select something. So that's definitely nice. And Jeffrey showed that click a bit to us. Key bindings fix. Players who are remapped struggle and melee actions to different inputs can now use either one to open locked doors. So essentially you can use like say you wanted to struggle with B. You could use select B on your struggle and melee action and use either B or X to do struggle. So that is kind of nice that you can, you know, use either or if you wanted to try that out. A couple of miscellaneous bug fixes they put in. They fixed many instances of world art floating or clipping incorrectly. So I guess there's some instances like of lesser known spots where things were, you know, floating or clipping and they fixed that. Fixed many spots where players could get stuck in the environment. And I think these were like kind of more off beaten path areas, but now they are fixed a little bit more. And they tweaked visuals and timing of bloater gas cloud to more closely match effects. So basically the gas cloud for the bloater, it would not show up in some cases when it was still active, but now they fixed that a little more. So now the visuals will show that and now you know that it's there. That way you're not like, you know, running into it into it head first. But yeah, that is our patch notes. So that's all we have for this patch. I, I hope you guys enjoyed my, you know, my analysis of the patch. Kind of like I said at the top of the episode, you're not going to find this level of depth going over a patch in a YouTube video. So, you know, I appreciate you tuning in here to get your patch notes because I will definitely go over the patch notes a lot more in depth than, you know, most YouTubers will because I just spent like, you know, close to an hour on the patch notes just like Jeffrey Carr did in the live stream so you're going to get a lot more detail and you're going to get everything in the patch notes that way than you know watching a five minute video so I really appreciate you guys tuning in for this but now as promised we will get into some legacy boons like I said you know I tried to pick something that was going to be a little bit shorter because I knew the patch notes was going to you know take a while to go over so I picked something a little bit shorter to go over today but there's four different legacy boons, you know, one for each legacy leader type. First legacy boon is the amenities legacy. So the amenities legacy is what you get from the builder. So basically, real quick, a legacy, when you beat a legacy with any type of leader, you get a legacy boon card. And the legacy boon card is something you use in future playthroughs. So say you got the amenities legacy boon, that means you beat the game with the builder. So if you beat the game with the builder, you get this card, and then you can take this card into a future game and it provides you extra benefits while in that second game. So that's basically what legacy boons are. So if you beat the game once, you get a legacy boon for that leader. And then you can take that leader's, you know, card, basically. It's like a little card that shows up. You can take that card with you into the next game. And it provides you benefits in the next game. And that's kind of what these are. So, so the amenities legacy boon, what this is going to do is it provides you with access to water and electricity in the base without incurring any daily costs, and there's no sound. So it's basically, you know, free base-wide power and water. So you're not going to have any noise associated with that, and you're not going to have any cost of that. So you don't have to worry about it. You always have base-wide power and water. So this one is huge, and honestly, it, it's probably a little bit too huge. I mean, it's like, it's so good that it's kind of broken, because 
you never have to worry about power and water ever again after you beat it with the builder. Like always, always, always use this legacy boom. I don't care what game you're playing. I don't care if it's your 20th game, if you're it's your first game, your fourth game, whatever game you're on, always use this legacy boon. Like the builder legacy boon is so helpful because you never have to worry about power and water again after the first time you beat it with builder. But next we have the charity legacy boon, which is the sheriff. So if you beat the game with the sheriff, you get this one. And basically what this one does is it's going to give you high quality loot once a day and it's going to be like a free delivery. So like every day when, you know, your game goes, okay, day, you know, 22, day 23, every time it goes to a new day, you're going to get a message that flasks up like, oh, thank you to the sheriff. You know, we really appreciate you helping us out that one time. And basically what it is, is like the previous communities that the sheriff helped out, they're giving back to you. So they're going to give you, you know, it could be ammo, it could be, you know, bandages, it could be a gun. It could be bags of snacks. It could be really anything, but they're going to give you a pile of high quality loot. So basically the charity legacy boom, what this is best for is if you're going to do a long playthrough. So if you're going to do like a hundred day challenge where you're playing for a hundred days of one community, use the charity boom because that's a hundred gifts. So that's a hundred days, a hundred gifts you're going to get. If you're playing for, you know, 300 days, that's 300 gifts. So essentially the charity boon is best for long playthroughs. That's what I would recommend this for. If you're not doing a long playthrough, if you're just like, you know, achievement hunting and you're trying to get some achievements really fast, don't use this one because it's not really good for that type of playthrough. This is really good for, you know, the long haul. So if you're doing a long haul, then this one's for you. The favors legacy boon, that's the one you get from beating the game with a trader. And this one's going to give you 4,000 influence points. And in addition to the 4,000 influence points, you're going to have access to a friendly merchant. So you're going to start the game with 4,000 influence, have access to a friendly merchant. So basically what this means is when you start the game with this boon, you're automatically going to be able to buy the end base if you want. So, well, kind of anyways, because basically the end bases, they cost 3,500, but you need eight people to buy, eight people to actually move in there. So you're going to have the influence you need to buy it. You just won't have the people yet. So... That's kind of the caveat there, and that's why I think this boon isn't really as good as it's cracked up, maybe, because when you start the game with this, you have the influence you need, but you still need to recruit, like, five people in order to actually move to the, you know, end base. So that's why this one, to me, isn't, like, you know, top, top notch. But 4,000 influence is definitely nice. I mean, it's definitely nice to have this at the start. So in terms of when to use this one, I mean, in my opinion... I don't really see that much of a use for this one. Like, I don't see any situations too much where you'd want to use this only because, like I just said, you can't actually start the game and buy any base you want. Like, if this kind of waived the community options where, like, say you wanted a base that needed six people. If this waived the option to have six people and you could just automatically jump in there with three, then I would say this is more useful. But... The fact that like you'd still have to recruit people in order to actually move bases, it kind of defeats the purpose of having the extra influence because it's not negating, you know, having to have those community members. So that's kind of my feedback on this boon. And if they change that to where I jump in a game with three people, I have my 4000 influence and I can pick any base I want, then I would say this is a little bit better. And I'm sure that that's not available for some kind of balancing reason. I'm sure it has to do with balance somehow, but um, maybe I can 
ask someone from Undead Labs sometime and, you know, try and find out why this is like that. But I assume it has to do with balance somehow. But to me, that just kind of makes it a little bit weaker of a legacy boom because, you you know, you're having 4,000 influence, but you can't really do a whole lot with it when you start the game. And then the last legacy boon is mobilization. Mobilization is a legacy boon for the warlord. And what this will do is when you start your game, you're going to get a giant pile of ammo, grenades, and additional firearms. Usually what it ends up being is you get some grenades, like some, you know, 20 frag grenades usually. You're usually going to get, you know, either 200 to 500 ammo and a couple of M4s. So usually in the past when I've used this one, I get 20 frag grenades. I get... Uh, a sighted M41A, and then I get like maybe two unsighted M41As. I think you get like three M4s, and then you get either you know it ran it's random, but sometimes I get 500 ammo for the M4s. Sometimes I get 200 ammo for the M4s. So basically, you get enough ammo and you know rifles to actually last you a little while into your game, and you get some grenades too. So it is very helpful if you want to um, clear playthroughs fast. So I would say the Warlord, that's what it's best for. Like, say the Warlord is the first one you did, and you want to just, you know, breeze through all these legacies. You want to clear all the legacies really fast to get your achievements. Then the Warlord is the best one to go achievement hunting because with the Warlord, you're going to start with some guns already. You can just jump in a game, you know, clear out a bunch of zombies and stuff and have a lot of ammo ready. So the Warlord is best for, you know, achievement hunting or trying to do a quick playthrough. It can still work for a long playthrough, just but basically the benefit of the Warlord, it, it ends pretty fast. So like, whereas the Builder and the Sheriff, those benefits are long term. You know, having base wide power and water, that's a long term benefit. Having uh having loot come to you, you know, once a day, that's long term benefit because the longer you go in the game, the more beneficial that is. The Warlord is the opposite. The longer you go in the game, the less beneficial it is because by like, say, day 50, by day 50, the guns and stuff you got at the start of the game from the Warlord, those guns are meaningless to you because you already have better guns. You already have more ammo. So by like day 50, that's going to be meaningless. So that's why I would say the Warlord is more of a short term boon. The Builder boon is more of a anytime boon because that that's just good anytime for short or long. The Sheriff is more of a long-term boon, and the Trader, I would say the Trader is mostly unusable, that boon. Um, I mean, if anything, I'd say it's a short-term boon, because you're having 4,000 influence to start, so, you know, you can try and recruit some people really fast and, you know, end the game really fast, so if you're going for a short-term playthrough, you're probably going to want Builder and Warlord, or if you don't want the Builder for whatever reason, then... Like, say you're not concerned with base wide power and water at all, you all you want to do is just jump in the game and, you know, clear through that playthrough fast, then what you'd probably want to do is you probably want Warlord and Trader because you're going to have all the guns you need and you're going to have influence to buy a base that you want and just move on from there. So Warlord and Trader is probably the fastest way to clear a game, but if you're going long term, you're probably going to want Builder and Sheriff. So it, it just depends what kind of play style you're doing, but... In terms of how I'd rank them, I would say number four is going to be your trader, you know, favors the trader boon, just because like I said, you know, it, it doesn't give you the option to buy any base you want right at the start because you need a community member still. Number three is going to be your charity boon, which is your sheriff one. 
only because it's really only good for long playthroughs. If you're not doing a long playthrough, then it's not really worth having this because the loot that you get isn't the greatest. Like a lot of times it's like, oh, they gave me, you know, two bottles of painkillers and a bag of snacks. Like, yeah, thanks, guys. I mean, like cause it says high quality loot. It's not like the best loot in the world, but over 100 days. I mean, think about it. If you're going over 100 days, two bottles of painkiller every day for 100 days that's a lot of painkillers. You know, that, that's 200 painkillers you're getting. So so that's why I'm saying like the charity buff for the sheriff, that one is really good the longer you go. The longer you play, the better that one is because you're getting so many boosts, you know, every single day. And it's really going to help out your supply locker. So it really depends what kind of playthrough you're doing for that one. Number two, I would say is the mobilization boon, which is the warlord one. And I would say that one's, you know, second best because... You get a lot of guns and ammo to start right away, and it's really good to use that to be versatile because you're probably not going to, if you're planning a really long playthrough, you're not going to want this one, but if you're planning anything besides a really long playthrough, then you would want to use the Warlord because even a medium playthrough, you know, the guns and stuff you get at the start of this, it's really going to help you out in the medium playthrough. And then number one, of course, is amenities. I mean, the amenities one that you get with the builder that amenities boon is just amazing because you get free base wide power and water. It's not going to cost you anything. It's not going to cause any noise at all. And that's just perfect. I mean, you, you definitely want that for sure. So the amenities boon for sure is the best one. So going over our ranking real quick again. Number one is amenities, which is the builder boon. Number two is mobilization, which is the warlord boon. Number three is the charity boon, which is the sheriff boon. And number four is the favors boon, which is the trader boon. So those are your four legacy boons and the leaders that they come with. And in terms of like an order of playthrough, just as like kind of a bonus tip, this is the order that I played them through. I would start with the builder, beat the game with the builder first. That way, when you go into your next game, you're going to have free base, white power and water. Then next, I would beat the game with the warlord because that way you're going to have your guns and ammo. So... If you beat the game with the Builder first, then Warlord second, your third game you go in, you're going to have free base wide power and water, you're going to have guns, and you're going to have ammo. And that's going to allow you to beat the last two playthroughs. So basically the third one I would do is Sheriff. So you're going to go into the Sheriff playthrough with a bunch of guns, a bunch of ammo, free base wide power and water. That's going to make beating the Sheriff one, you know, really easy for you. You can beat that really fast if you want to. And the last one I would do is the trader because the trader is best suited for a long-term playthrough. So if you're using a trader leader, then that is best suited for the long-term game. And I would go into the trader playthrough using the builder legacy and the sheriff legacy. So essentially, if you go through them this way, you're you're really going to use all your legacy boons except the trader, which the trader is the worst one in my opinion. So basically the builder one, you're going to start that game. You're not going to have anything. The Warlord playthrough, which is your second playthrough, you're going to have the Builder Legacy Boon, so you're going to have free base, white power, and water. Your third playthrough, which is the Sheriff, you're going to have free base, white power, and water. You're going to have guns and ammo to help, you know, win that game fast or slow if you want to do it slow. And then your fourth playthrough, you're going to have free base, white power, and water from the Builder Boon, and you're going to have free stuff coming to you every day from the Sheriff Boon, so... That's going to allow you to make a long playthrough for your last playthrough, or you can do it quick if you want. So that is the order I would do. And I think that order will be very advantageous to you. But if you um, have any different orders that you'd like to do, you know, if you think the order should be different in how you complete these playthroughs, then let me know.
I mean, personally, I didn't follow this because when I first started the game, I did the Warlord first. And I didn't really know about, you know, all this. I didn't know all the ins and outs of the game when I first started. So um, I did the Warlord first and I did the Builder second. So I kind of went backwards just because I didn't know at the time. But, you know, now hopefully I can get you this information before you do that as well. And hopefully I can help you, you know, do the playthroughs in what I think is going to help you the best order. So I hope you agree with that. But yeah, like I said, I mean, we had a shorter topic today because I knew the patch notes were really huge and I knew I wanted to cover all of that for you guys. So that's why I did a shorter topic this time. I was planning a longer topic, but I wanted to pair a shorter topic with the patch notes. That way it wouldn't be too long of an episode for you guys, because I really don't want to go you know longer than like an hour and a half at most, because that's getting kind of long at that point, I think. So that's kind of like the max I want to try to keep episodes at. Ideally, I want to be at an hour, but sometimes there's just a lot to talk about. If there's a lot to talk about, then I'd rather talk about that and get you guys the information. But just a reminder, next Wednesday's episode will be on Vermintide 2. That's going to be our second episode for that. So tune into that and let me know if you'd like it. And, you know, I definitely want to remind everyone again, Extended State of Decay 2 weekend is this weekend. So, you know... We're putting on sort of like a little party for State of Decay 2. So hopefully, you know, come party with us. And we're going to have that stream on Friday, which by the time this episode's out, you'll have missed that stream. So I do apologize that you didn't know about that ahead of time. But if you're following on Twitter or Discord, then you would know if you're following on those. So definitely follow me on Twitter. Definitely join the Discord because then you're going to know about these things a little faster because I tweet them out a little faster. And I only do one episode a week, but I can do a lot more, you know, tweets per week. So... You're going to know about this a little bit faster if you join on Twitter or if you join on Discord. But this episode is going to drop today on a Saturday, obviously. Sunday, I'm doing the AMA on a Discord. So you can ask me any question you want on Discord and I'll, you know, answer you. You can ask her anytime throughout the day and I'll try to answer you right up until I go to work. Um, I work at night. So basically at nighttime, I'm going to have to stop answering questions because obviously I'll be working. But, um, you know, throughout the day, I'll try to answer as many questions as I can. And then Monday, we're going to do another State of Decay 2 stream. We're going to do an 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern stream. And this is going to be the Viewer's Choice stream. The one on Friday is going to be a co-stream with a friend of mine. The one on Monday is going to be a Viewer's Choice stream where you guys are going to choose the characters I use. You guys are going to choose the base I go to. And you can choose the missions I go to. So, you know, I'll handle the rest and I'll kind of like work around what you guys are deciding. But it should be a fun stream, I think. So definitely tune into that one and you can kind of, you know, have some say in how I play. And I think that'll be a lot of fun. And then, of course, don't forget that we're having a giveaway for the Independence Pack. So we did get Independence Pack DLC code and you can enter our contest to win this code. You can enter by posting at least one question in our AMA on Sunday. So join our Discord, you know, give me one question and that will count as an entry. You can show me proof that you're subscribed to the podcast. That will count as an entry. You can show me proof that you left a review for the podcast, and that will count as an entry. If you show that you're uh, following on Twitter, or if you follow on Twitter, then that will count as an entry. And then the last way you can enter is if you tune into either the Friday or Monday stream, just, you know, pop into the stream, say hello, you know, ask me how it's going, or just, you know, chat with me for a second. And if you just, you know, say something in the stream, let me know you're there, then that will count as an entry as well. So you have... A lot of ways to get entries there, so it's definitely, you know, spread out. That way, 
multiple people have ways they can enter because maybe somebody you know doesn't want to use Twitter, so they might want to do something else, or maybe somebody doesn't like Discord. So if you don't like Discord, there's other ways for you to enter as well. So there's you know multiple ways for people to enter just in case you don't like some of those ways. But definitely enter the contest, and on Wednesday, on Wednesday, August 15th, I will do the drawing. I will do the drawing live on Discord, so if you are on Discord, you will get to see that drawing live. If you're not on Discord, then I will still, you know, contact the winner and let them know. I will probably tweet out the winner. Um, Podcast-wise, I don't think I'm going to be able to announce the winner on podcast, only because the next episode I'm recording is going to be on Sunday, and... I won't know the winner by Sunday, so uh, I probably won't only be able to announce the winner on Twitter or Discord, but I will contact the winner, though, and let them know that they won. And if you, for whatever reason, you know, don't leave me a way to contact you or like there's no way to contact you back and I don't hear from you for a few days, then I will redraw a new winner. But I'm hoping that doesn't happen. So the biggest issue I could see maybe is if the winner comes from somebody that said hello on a stream, then... I, it might be hard to contact the person that said hello in a stream. So if you are, you know, coming to say hello in a stream, then, you know, at least hit the follow button. That way I can find you via the follow button. And at least I can try to contact you that way. But that's basically all we have for today. I hope you guys enjoy this. So I'm sure you know how to find us by now. But in case you don't, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Acast, Blueberry, Podbean, Radio Public, and many other directories. So check out any of those spots to find us. And if you want to contact us, you know, if you want to let me know that you're entering this contest, you want to show me that you're subscribed, or you want to leave feedback for me, or you want to, you know, give me a tweet and, you know, give me a shout out, anything you want to do, just, you know, you can contact me via Twitter at Blaze Experience, which is capital B L A I S E, capital X, capital P E R I E N C E. And that's the same exact thing as my gamer tag. My gamer tag will be the same thing. So that's one more time, capital B L A I S E, capital X, capital P E R I E N C E. And that's how you can contact me via Twitter, or you can add me on Xbox Live and send me a message on Xbox Live. If you want to contact me via email, that's fine too. You can contact me by emailing theblazeexperience at gmail.com. And, you know, if you want to join our Discord, participate in the AMA, or you just want to, you know, drop in our Discord and say hello and mingle with us, that's, you know, we'd love to have you there. So the Discord link will be in the show notes, and you can join via the show notes Discord link. But I really appreciate everyone tuning in. It's been a lot of fun doing this episode, and I really hope you enjoy these patch notes and the legacy boons. I can't wait to talk to you all again next week, and I hope you enjoyed this. Thank you once again for listening to The Blaze Experience.